TED Audio Collective. Did you know that by 2030, global emissions need to be cut roughly in half? Half in order to keep the Earth from becoming a hot blazing mess due to climate change. There is absolutely no way we can meet that goal without serious action from big companies. But how do these massive businesses begin to make real change? I'm Madhuba Akinola, and this is TED Business. And today, we're going to hear from Kate Brandt. She's the former chief sustainability officer at the White House, and she's currently lead sustainability for all of Google. Have you heard of the term circular economy? In this talk in 2018, she explains what a circular economy looks like and how it's helping a massive business like Google make real change. I'm keeping this episode super short. We're getting ready for the next season. We need a little bit of time. So that means I'm not going to be back for a lesson, but there is so much to learn from this talk. So let's hear from Kate after a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. 40,000 searches go through Google every second. 400 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube every minute. And that number, it is not slowing down. So whether it's search, Gmail, YouTube, 
all of Google's products are powered by a global network of data centers. Google owns and operates 14 data centers on four continents. And it's these data centers and the people who work in them that are really the ecosystem that makes Google tick. But of course, it's not just Google. It's Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Baidu, and others. The cloud and IT services, they're not immaterial. They are made possible by a global network of millions of data centers. But millions of data centers does mean a growing need for natural resources and an urgency to find new models for supplying the energy and raw materials. So where better to turn than the work of the world's most efficient engineers? I'm not actually talking about my colleagues, though. I'm talking about the engineers in the natural world. You see, I grew up in Muir Beach, California, and I spent hours as a kid exploring the beautiful trails in the forest and the tide pools at the beach. And during my time in this coastal ecosystem, you know, I learned something. The animals, plants, and microbes that make up what we think of as nature, they are the consummate engineers of the world. You think about it, you have a tree. It grows in the forest from the light of the sun, the nutrients in the soil. Eventually, that tree dies, it falls, and then enzymes, bacteria, microbes, they begin to break that tree back down into the nutrients and soil that will generate new life. This is the genius of nature, the original circular economy. But what if we applied this same approach to our modern economy? What if, instead of a take, make, and waste model, we reused and repurposed and reborn everything for use again? But these questions, they are not just hypotheticals. They hold the key to our future. They have to. According to the most recent science, we have only 12 years left to make an unprecedented economy-wide shift, or we will have irreversibly damaged our planet. And so whether it was my time working on sustainability at the Pentagon, at the White House, and now as the sustainability officer at Google, I, like so many of my colleagues, have struggled to find a model that could address this massive challenge that we face truly at scale. But I now firmly believe what we need is a circular economy. And this has three principles. Design out waste, keep products and materials in use, and transition to renewable energy. And now, of course, this thinking is based in several existing schools of thought, like cradle to cradle, industrial symbiosis, and biomimicry. But what's really new is the economy in the circular economy, the focus on value creation. It's estimated that by applying these principles, we could see an additional $4.5 trillion of value by 2030. So how might we apply this circular genius of nature within the high-tech industrial environment of a data center? Well, when you step inside of a data center, I think it's really the vastness that strikes you first. 
It's just row upon row of servers. They're whirring, they're humming. There's not a whole lot else. It's really clean, it's precise. You know, in every way, this very curated machine space, it just feels a million miles from the dirt and decay and life of the natural world. But actually, if you think about it, it's really not all that different. It's still just a system with inputs and outputs, just like a coastal forest. And in this system, the biggest input is energy. Last year, Google used 8 million megawatt hours of energy. That could power the city of Atlanta for a year. And this is just Google. Globally, data centers use 200 terawatt hours of energy. That's similar to some countries like Australia and about 1% of global electricity use. The other major input in this system is hardware, mostly in the form of servers. And these are made up of raw materials like tin, gold, and cobalt. And interestingly, between 2011 and 2016, because of a focus on efficiency, data centers across the US, their energy use, it held almost flat in spite of a really big uptick in the need for computing power. And we have seen the same trend at Google. But a few years ago, we really became concerned that we were seeing a bit of a plateau. So we really wanted to ramp up how we were designing out energy waste. And so we did this by applying machine learning to the cooling system in the data center. And we got a 30% increase in efficiency in an already highly optimized system. And basically, the way that we did this was the team took historical sensor data on things like power, pump speed, and temperature. And then they created an AI-powered efficiency recommendation system. But even so, we still need a lot of energy. And so we are committed to matching 100% of the energy that we do use with renewable sources, neutralizing all of the carbon emissions associated with our operations. And so last year, this meant that we bought three gigawatts of wind and solar. That is more than enough than what it takes to power the city of San Francisco for a whole year. And a circular data center ecosystem, it also means we have to keep our products and our materials in use. So we're taking components from old servers and we're keeping them in our new machines. And then we're remanufacturing new servers out of components from old ones. And then when we have hardware that's left over that we don't need anymore, we can wipe it clean, we can sell it on secondary markets. Last year, we did this with 2.1 million units, and we saved hundreds of millions of dollars. So you might be saying to yourself, this sounds kind of obvious. But interestingly, no one else in the data center industry is applying this circular approach at scale. But certainly, Google is by no means the only company that is on this journey towards a circular economy. There's Nike. They are designing out waste in how they harvest raw materials and in how they manufacture their products. Or there's Walmart, who's committed to 100% renewable energy through multiple kinds of energy and through working with utilities and other partners. And then you have Renault, the auto manufacturer. They are keeping products and materials in use and along the way, they're generating half a billion euros of new revenue by remanufacturing and recycling auto parts. But the work of just a few companies 
this is not nearly enough to make the kind of unprecedented change we need to in the next 12 years. We must redesign everything. We need to make it easy for people to have a positive impact. So in this circular world of the future, almost no new raw materials are mined. Carbon emissions, they're brought to almost zero, and there are no more landfills. So for this to work, we need to design waste out of all of our systems. And so that means that a lot of products, they're going to become a service or they might be rented. So if you think about things like your car, your home appliances, your electronic devices, these will be leased. Then when you're done, you can turn them back in. They can be reused and remanufactured. Almost no new raw materials needed. Or you think about clothes and shoes. These can be rented for a season. You can turn them back in, get a fresh wardrobe. Then when they get worn out, they can go back to the designer and the fibers can be reused. And then think about something like shampoo or cereal. This will be a subscription. It'll come in a durable bottle or a container. And then when it's empty, you'll send it back in. You'll get your next refill. But for this to work, we need to really design products to be kept in use. And so this means that durable goods, they have to be truly durable, easily repaired, upgraded, and remanufactured. And then in the built environment, this is going to become very flexible. We'll be able to easily turn an apartment into an office, and then we'll be able to deconstruct whole buildings and reuse those components to build new structures. And everything is going to be non-toxic, so it's absolutely safe to be used in a product or in a building. And then we're going to need a lot of energy, right? We're going to have all this forward and reverse logistics, all this remanufacturing. And so that is going to come from carbon-free sources. So this means millions of new megawatt hours of wind, solar, geothermal, biomass. It probably means nuclear and large-scale storage. And then vehicles. We are going to have almost no more gasoline-powered cars or trucks. Electric vehicles will be widely adopted. And then in aviation and marine, advances in hydrogen and biofuel, they'll help them go carbon-free too. But there is still a long journey ahead, and we do not have a lot of time. So as homeowners, as citizens, as parents, you have a critical role to play right now. At home, you can design out waste through better insulation. You can prevent food from going in the trash by freezing it before it spoils. You can carry a reusable water bottle. And on renewables, you could put solar on your roof. You could check and see if your neighborhood has a community choice or community solar program. You can keep products and materials in use. You could rent your phone or your jeans or your printer ink. You could take public transit or you can carpool. These actions are really just the beginning. I believe that if we each ask ourselves, what can I do to positively impact our economy, our society, our environment, then we will break out of the global challenges that have been created by our take, make, and waste economy, and we can realize a circular world of abundance. Thank you.
Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. What's Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedbusiness. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedbusiness.